Well, you don't like that? You're, you're, but that's what it is, right? It's the truth. She was fucking a stranger. And it's always good to tell the truth. Adam can't bring his mom back to yell at, so she has no shot at redemption. And forgiveness? It's impossible. That's the thing about being dead. You have no second chances, but as long as the truth gets out there, we're good. Welcome back, Analysis listeners. We want to welcome back to the podcast an old friend, our first ever guest back when we were reviewing Andrew Dice Clay's Showtime show Dice, Mr. Greg Ah. Hey, buddy. Good to be here and not to be talking about <laughs> that show. We're talking about a different Showtime show today. That's right. That is Your Honor, starring Brian Cranston and others. And I wanted to have you on specific today, not just because we're talking Showtime for the first time in probably six years, but also because me and you have had throughout our life this Brian Cranston through line. We were roommates back in Chicago when we were acting and running around the city and trying to get up on stage. And, and when we were roommates was about the time that Breaking Bad was wrapping up. And it was my favorite show. I believe it was one of your favorite shows, correct? Oh, I don't know how anybody couldn't watch that. In fact, my, uh, my wife just told me she needs, she needs to finish watching it. I'm like, how, what has it been like 10 years? Like yeah. she doesn't know how it ends. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to spoil it for you now, but it, I hope you know what's going to happen. Yeah, at this point, my rule is the statute of limitations is five. Oh, so yeah. after five years, if no, I she's... talk about the ending of something. Yeah, she she missed the boat on this one, but it's like, just, you need yeah. to finish it. Yeah, you definitely need to do that essential reading. But, so me and you watched the final seasons, but the final season particularly of Breaking Bad. So we were there for that seminal moment in television and then you know that I'm this big fan and, and we've talked about his book together and then we went to actually see him live on Broadway in Network a performance that he played Howard Beale in a great show Network and he ended up winning the Tony for that and you took mocking pictures of me from across the street as I waited in line to get Brian Cranston to sign my program and talk to him about how much I loved his book. No, it wasn't mocking pictures. You, <laughs> you love the man. I, I, I wanted to capture the moment of the moment you were captured. Yes, that's true. I, 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 if you, you know this about me, I'm not big into celebrity culture and I, I not at all. Not, I don't have a reason to talk to someone whose work I admire. Uh -huh. If that makes sense, like I get it. getting them to sign something, it's like you might as well ask them to hold the door open for you. Like it's not, <laughs> it's such an, an, for me, it is a throwaway gesture, but for you, it's like, you love this man. Of course you want to talk to him. So I, yeah. I was happy to document the documentation. Thank you. So we have those photos forever of me waiting in this line uncomfortably. But I, I really wanted to let him know how much his book meant to me. That was, that was most of it. I, I don't really give, that big of a fuck about the signing of the program but yeah it was right. it was it was a it was a pretty thrilling moment i'll on, i'll be honest with you but well, i mean that's also one of the last broadway shows i remember seeing if yeah. i'm not mistaken uh and it was 
he was fantastic in it. I mean, he was that entire production. I had my qualms with the adaptation of the story because I worship the film network. I, I yeah. saw that years and years and years ago, and it's never left my mind. The Broadway production was not quite as... I, they were trying really hard, and there was I think people were wowed by They had so many cameras live in the theater inside outside the theater they had television screens everywhere a live control room it was very yeah. like the scale of it was incredible but it they tried to mirror it to modern uh like the, the modern media environment and i yeah. thought it just did not hit the bullseye the way the original film did and like essentially predicted reality television but yeah i mean his performance alone was like of course that it was it was spellbinding and that's Ivo van Hove, who is a big Broadway directing star. So there was a lot of director fingerprints all over it. And oh, yeah. you weren't as into it. I, I mean, really, it could have been Cranston on stage on the toilet for two hours. And I would have probably still given the standing out just because yeah. of my... If I was watching Cranston on the toilet for two hours, I, I'd hope somebody would give him yeah, a stool softener or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been quite a hero's journey. But anyway... <laughs> So then as we're rolling through the pandemic, you shoot me a text and you say, hey, have you seen Brian Cranston's new show, Your Honor, on Showtime? I really think you should check it out if you haven't. And I wasn't, to be transparent with you, I was not aware that he had a show. Well, it to be transparent well, with you, I, I don't know anybody who has Showtime. I, I no still one. have my well, I do password, now. so yeah. Good on Showtime for bringing in Cranston because they got a new subscriber at least. I'll, I'll see how long I stick with it before I cancel my subscription now that I've seen yeah, the show. Maybe Dice uh, season four will be. Yeah, is Dice <laughs> still on there? <laughs> yeah, so you're like, hey, you know, if you, if you have Showtime, Brian Cranston's new show, it's really good. You should check it out. And it also good advertising because when I would watch the Roku, you would always see when you went on your Roku, it'd be like, hey, do you want to watch uh, episode one of Your Honor for free right here, Showtime? I was like, damn, they're really getting me. They're really hooked into, I must have said it out loud or my Roku heard me or something. But finally, I, I was like, I got to watch this. This is my one of my top two or three favorite actors. I think this show looks interesting. I watched the commercial for it. And I, I, I finally went ahead and subscribed for the month. And I was about, I subscribed when there was eight episodes into a 10 episode story arc. Uh, but have have finished and really wanted to bring you in to chat about it. So with that, you know, heat up your gazpacho, Greg, and let me know, you know what did you think about this show? What were some of your first impressions? I mean, the first impression was either a trailer or a write-up or something, and just the premise alone of like Brian Cranston plays a judge. It's like you had me right, right there in terms of like perfect casting. You have mm -hmm. him. You know, he played LBJ. He plays these these um, incredibly, like, uh, competent authority figures. And he has that gravitas where he can pull off a judge effortlessly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, okay, cool. And then it started to, uh, you know, lean into what this was actually about. You know, it's about, okay, it sounds like it's about his son and maybe a cover-up or something. And uh, it was intriguing. And it, it felt, at least from the get-go, like it was different enough from – something like Breaking Bad, it's like, no, this guy knows how to play a high stakes guy whose life is unwinding and, and, or unraveling. And, and this was essentially, essentially delivered on that very premise. 
and then it eventually turned into you know breaking bad type territory yeah and that's that's to me where you know the show kind of lost the thread but in my mind and we'll get to this at the end like it redeemed itself at the end but uh yeah i just just from first glance alone it looked like a something very much in cranston's uh wheelhouse what did you think yeah i I'm with you in that he's really good in you're talking about LBJ or especially Breaking Bad. He's got this great everyman quality and it's always whether it's this or Breaking Bad or or anything else it's it's really interesting to watch him lose that or have conflict enter his life and then the 180 turn of his character arcs. I think that's just something he does so well. So with this, the character arc, it really starts with the idea or the theme that should you tell the truth, even though it may hurt the ones that you love. And that works in two different ways with this story is one, it's the truth of his son and the murder. And should I tell the truth about my son, even though it's going to hurt him, obviously, by being killed in this prison system by the mob? And then the second way, halfway through the season, they introduce the element of his wife having an affair on him. And so he's hiding or withholding the truth from his son because obviously that will hurt the lasting memory of his wife and also just the, his, his son in general. And, and that's why it's a really cool concept or character arc is you got this judge and this man who in the first episode very honestly believes in justice and truth and then by the end, he is completely against that. He's screaming at people for telling the truth. And he's doing all of these things to ensure that justice isn't served. And so I think that's why it's such a cool 10-episode arc here. Yeah, it, and I, I'll be honest, the, the whole angle of the truth unraveling uh, or, or him deciding to suppress the truth it was pretty heavy handed. I mean, yeah, it's not they, subtle. From, this show is not subtle. Not subtle at all. I mean, they took a sledgehammer to any subtlety. Like, they, so early on, you know, he presents himself as a champion of the poor, of being, you know, helping out his local community down to like the, the absolute bare level. And then he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's trying so hard to, or, or the writing is trying so hard to paint this picture of him as the ultimate picture of morality. Yeah. He is the, and that even gets down to like the, the wife. It's like, he's such a moral man. He didn't even tell his son what she was doing. Like, mm-hmm. and then to watch him slowly lose that, if it hadn't been so heavy handed up front, I would have probably appreciated what happened. It was just telegraphed so clearly, but I think that's what I, what I appreciated about the show was like, this motherfucker can act yeah. and he committed to it. Even when it was like the script going, Oh, and you were the, you were the, uh, uh, you, you were the, uh, she was your apprentice. The woman was your apprentice and she got all of her belief in justice from you. And now you're kind of lying to her and you're turning your back yeah. to her. It's like, yeah, it's kind of uh, ham fisted, but man, he can sell it. He's not, he's not phoning this in one <laughs> one fluid no, ounce it's a full and that's and that's what you want in an actor or a writer or director is you want them believing that what they're doing is the best and most important thing on television at the time and that's that's brian cranston or if, even if it's broadway right he's he's going 
to lean into whatever material he's he doesn't pick material necessarily there's that bad movie that he had with franco and and some other stuff that that or there's like a kevin hart movie that he had that i was like okay why, why'd you do this but those are money grabs but you know a lot of times when when he believes that there's value in the material he leans into it obviously so yeah i i think that you know, definitely some of these scenes and 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 you do get a little bit of nostalgia walter white nostalgia when jimmy baxter's got him held up at the boathouse and he's no 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 and he's got to come up with something very quick on the fly to keep him afloat in the scene or in in life you know and and you get a little bit of that that that's actually where I agree with you. That's like, that's when, that's him doing the full, like turning into Walter White. I, I, two things. One is that like, it's such an extreme version of Breaking Bad or that type of character because in Breaking Bad, it was like a desperate man with nothing to lose. And he's Mm -hmm. kind of like, and he just wants to provide for his family. That's at least my takeaway. In this one, it was like man who has everything trying not to lose but he also made a bunch of mistakes they could have it's just a series of escalating mistakes almost almost farcical the way this stuff unfolded that boat scene sticks out to me because that was the one of the biggest like logic holes i had in in all of the like scheming that he was doing like he ends up buying and financing this boat as a way of paying somebody off it's like the paper trail of yeah. financing a a water vessel is such a different problem to solve than like, you know, throw this guy in the river. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I feel like that was the one step that was a bit too far for me because it seemed like he really didn't, for this guy who seems to have everything figured out, that was a, I don't think he figured that out because just from boat paperwork alone the boat paperwork and if anyone out there has a boat and has paperwork we'd love for you to write in and and fill us in deeper in terms of what that trail is like but it's so it's interesting that you're saying that greg because i did after the series had aired listened and gone back and listened to him talk about the show on a couple different podcasts and one of the things he said drew him to the material was that this is different than Breaking Bad in the way of Walter White was very methodical and had everything planned out to a certain degree. And obviously things happened in that story that threw off the plan to different degrees. But, you know, he was very calculated in the moves that he was making versus this man who has to make a series of split second moves on the fly. Starting with him at that police station, he sees the couple crying through the glass that's a split second decision that he needs to make. Um, the, the cleaning out the car randomly, getting getting the uh, gang members to steal it. it. Like everything is just happening, and he's he's scrambling so much in this. And and that was something that drew him to this. Was okay. I've already played the guy who was methodical. Now I'm going to play the guy making mistakes at every single turn, desperate to keep his son alive. And the only thing that's driving me is the love and protection of my son. And I think that's a I think that's a really interesting thing to discover is to what lengths are you willing to go to protect the people that you love? If that's your son or if that's your significant other, you know, how how much of your morality are you willing to bend to keep that person alive? And I think a lot of people would make some similar decisions that this dude made. 
Yeah, I, I think the my favorite one, my favorite move of his to kind of capitalize on that was when he went to the gas station attendant and he like got him drunk at the bar and made up some story about his cheating wife and then like went back to the gas station and deleted the footage. And then when Jimmy Baxter shows up to, you know, ch- check on this like lead that he, this hunch he has, the gas station guy is like still defending him. He's like, yeah. yeah. We're getting back at her. It would like you're the guy that, sleeping with his wife. <laughs> I thought it was. It's such a clever thing, and it what it didn't end up with this like. Hey, you realize what this guy did? He ain't who you think he is. It was like, no, okay, we now we, we figured it out. Like him and the Irish guy were savvy enough to, you okay. know, okay, we know what we're dealing with here. I, I, I like guy. that little. I like that little um storyline. Well, and then also at the time of that in the story, you're not. You think that it's just something he's putting on to gain sympathy at the bar but really he's telling an honest story about his wife stepping out on him which you find out later which is kind of revealing in its own little way what did you think and this is a question that i had written down for you because me and you had such an affection for walt jr who would you rather be your son adam asiato (laughs) or walt jr Walt Jr. by a country mile. <laughs> Adam sucked. Adam was such a little penis. And, like, <laughs> first of all, first of all, how do you, uh, you know, every, there's so many, like, childhood fantasies of, like, the kids scoring with the teacher. It's like, first of all, I didn't believe this for a second. No way. Took some, like, lame black and white photographs. He hung out in the dark room. This kid's a loser. Second of all, he was so, he was so whiny. The entire, like, Yes, he's been through a lot, but he doesn't – I had no sympathy for this kid in most of the show, no. despite what he went through, because after the trauma of what he went through, he seemed – I get what the actor was doing. He was trying to repress or ignore what – like, he was both confronting it and ignoring it, and obviously it manifested itself through him dating the, you know, the sister of the boy that he yeah, killed. Sophia, but for Sophia. I, I just didn't buy it, and the whole, like – NYU stuff and the college and the, it was, God. it was every all, episode, it was all a bit much. Every with, episode with, he did something to piss me off. You're like, why are you showing up to these court hearings yeah. during the pandemic? There's no one else. I could make, it could make a little sense if you could hide in the crowd. There was an empty courtroom and this little motherfucker sitting in the back and then, or him going in and seeking out the sister and then getting involved with her romantically, or then he finally gets you into college to where you can fucking run away and, and restart your life. And he's like, I think I want to stay here and take pictures like mom. And you're just every fucking episode. You're like, why? Your dad is killing himself for this. And you seem to be doing everything in your power to undo the work. Yeah. He, so compare him to like Walt Jr. Right, well, who Walt is Jr. this like, saint of a child who is just he just wants to hang out with his dad and enjoy and breakfast Hank. it's like leave this kid is he's a good boy <laughs> like, <I'm, laughs> like of course he'd make a better son because first he's not gonna I, I could not see him mowing down some kid and uh no walt you know jr I mean? like, stays walt jr finds a way despite his handicap to to phone the police, even if he knows that the body is dead. Walt Jr. Yeah, he's, he's calling Hank, and Hank is going to do the dirty work for yeah. him. He's, he's coming clean. Uncle Hank. Call Uncle Hank. Yeah, I just wanted to give some shine to Walt Jr., really, because we love him and his cereal. Yeah, Adam, man, that the, the kid was 
really, I think one of the weaker parts of the show was the decision-making of Adam the son. But and to me, that, that gets to, if we want to talk about the ending, I mean... Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do it. That is what made the show for me. It's like, they shot this little bastard in the neck, and it was everything I wanted to see. Like, I, first of all... <laughs> Were you surprised? Were you surprised? Completely surprised. Yeah. First of all, I didn't know this was the finale. I... I thought there were like another two episodes. I, I was just kind of, I wasn't watching it in the background, but it, I, I wasn't like deeply focused on it. When I realized what had happened and that it was the last episode, I was like, wait a second, because it, it did shock me. I thought, you know, the misdirect of like, uh, the gangsta's gonna, I'm gonna, I got you yeah, now. Come here, I got your son. Come on. And then and for the, I'm gonna do it alone. yeah. And then for the kid to have the gun and for him to not know how to shoot, like it, yeah shocked me it was of course so telegraphed as a bookend to the beginning of the series but you know what i was glad to watch that little bastard get it that was it was a very satisfying moment to see him uh him bite the bullet you know almost literally yeah quite literally well speaking of literal you you've got irony working on a lot of different levels with him being killed because like you said, bookend, the beginning of the show is him accidentally murdering somebody and running from the scene. And at the end of it, he's accidentally murdered and the kid who shot the gun flees the scene. Also, the gun, which kind of was purchased by Michael Desiato because he sold the baseball, used the money from the baseball to buy the gun. So it it's all of that stuff. And I think the writers are making a very clear message in terms of is hiding the truth for someone you love the right thing to do and it's like no the more that you run from the truth the more pain and tragedy is going to come out on the other side and you've got Cranston talking about when the mother was killed he the 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 son wailed himself to sleep in his arms and then at the end of it you've got Adam dead and he's in Cranston's arms and Cranston's doing the, the Cranston cry, which is just a hard, a hard cry. He's a hard crier, but yeah, that's a, yeah that's so a, a lot of, a lot of different yeah, things working. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's why th- these writers were very clever. I, again, I think the story was, was very clever. I think, I think where it started to fall apart for me was like, I don't know the name of the actor. I'm just going to call him like discount Andy Garcia. It's <laughs> not that he did a bad job, but the whole, uh, just like, yeah, just the I'm the gangster. Like it, that whole, it felt. I'm sure it's rooted in some sort of New Orleans reality, but I it felt so corny that I was like, really? Like <laughs> this is what it comes down to? Like, hey, I'm the gangster, and we're trying to stay clean. You're gonna, you're not gonna do the drugs, right? Like, yeah. It that sort of reality coupled with him, you know, dating this girl that was the sister was like what's happening man like you with all the the metaphor and the irony like you're telling a really interesting story and then it's like oh yeah just some uh some gangster huh you could have cut out the all of the screen time of him with the girl you could have cut out uh you could have cut out a few of the scenes with i still think you need the son i think you need carlo baxter killing murdering Mm -hmm. the Kofi Jones, and I think you need the trial of him. I, I I think all of that was critical, but you could have definitely cut out some of the decision making with Adam. And I I also did like halfway through that the ruse 
is uncovered. It's not like he gets figured out. It's mm-hmm. it's the the discovery is that oh, it wasn't Michael Desiato that ran over my son Rocco. It's that it was Adam because of the inhale of the inhaler. So I think there was a there was a few things that I I would have cleaned up. I think the the biggest problem for me was the relationship he ends up forming with the sister of Rocco Master. I thought that was really really weak. Yeah, and even weak to the point of like this little nerd is going to pull up on his bike to this vigil and all of a sudden like she's going to remember like i just didn't yeah. i didn't buy that yeah he stalks her he like makes sure he's in these yeah. cafes that she's at it's like bro get the fuck out of that whole scene i just i don't even see i i i have a hard time believing if you are truly afraid for your life that you'd be navigating back into any sort of scene where the Baxters might be, I just, and let alone dating them and then going to meet this man that your father has told you countless times is a vicious mobster and you're going to go meet him. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't see the the logic in that. So. Yeah. I will say we, we, we've harped on like things you didn't like about it. Something I did like about it was I liked the, the almost the indictment of the justice system in the sense that the people who are you know the people who are either dealing drugs or accused of dealing drugs are you know a product of a broken system and they're Mm -hmm. like setting them up they're like planting the car on them they're you know they're what was the scene where like the cop shows up and they're like they're like taking down the basketball hoop and then they like put it back up yeah yeah after after they have a conversation like that to me was like they had a really interesting angle of this system is broken and even the ju- the judges who even understand what the problem is are are actively working against it mm-hmm. um but that thread got so lost for me when it got sucked into this like hey i'm the mobster <laughs> like, <laughs> he doesn't it, sound anything like that <laughs> i know but... no, that's no that, that is quiet, the quiet, to me that's simple. i'm doing that as like a generic, yeah you know, i know but you're film. you're just, just I know, I know what you're doing. It just had it, that tone to it, like even down to like the the slick back hair and the suits and the always got a, a glass of uh, whiskey in his hand and a cigar. Like, come on, man. He's done. So I think he's actually. I I don't think this is his best work, but he was on Boardwalk Empire as a New York mobster, and I know this is in New Orleans. He he he's played the most gentle and. <laughs> kind people like in shape of water but then he's also played he, this these quiet scary types i think another great character stuhlberg did was call me by your name or he was the dad he was this really understanding and thoughtful father and so he he does kind of he, he loves to play the extremes it's, i also he's also i'm not indicting his acting i think he's yeah. a good i think he's a very good actor i'm, I'm saying the this actual this text. turn of the story to i just i and again maybe i'm missing something about you know, the Italian mafia's roots in New Orleans. I'm sure there's something there. I played Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption. I do remember something about that. Okay, but, uh, good. Nice. Yeah, I, I did not think we would get to Red Dead Redemption today. <laughs> so the, the there's one other parallel that I've heard Cranston talk about in a podcast. He talks about the Shawshank Redemption. And at the end of episode one, him and Adam flee the police station and they go home and they are watching Shawshank. And then at the end, the song from Shawshank plays over the top of him with holding his son, his, his dead son. And I, the, the parallels there are 
you know, Andy was a subject of his wife's infidelity. And when obviously he was able to redeem himself in his time in prison to find happiness at the other end. And when Desiato has a chance to redeem himself and make sure that Carlo is convicted, he does not. And obviously the tragedy comes out the other side. So I think that was an interesting uh, wrinkle as well of just threading in this, this movie. Yeah, it was, it was, the the people who wrote this were very savvy. They had a, they had a lot to get on the page, and I I'm actually quite glad that it was just one season because from all yeah. I from what I understand, there this is it. Like it was. Yeah, a well, I mean, there's. I think it's based off of a a different show that is in some part of Europe, but mm-hmm. they ended up it was popular, and they ended up doing a second season. I just I'm not interested in seeing where we go next. No, I don't want to watch Cranston apologize or make shit up for the next because he lost what he wanted he's destroyed so it's just going to be yeah a sad a very sad man and all it's going to be is like kicking this guy while he's down for 10 episodes like that doesn't sound very entertaining to me you know what i did appreciate about him is is seeing him willing to lie so much to the people he loved Mm -hmm. like like his girlfriend uh like just even down to like calling her up, knowing he doesn't necessarily want to go out with her, but doing everything he has to do to protect his son. Like he, he, he yeah. went as far as he could. Do you think he had honest feelings for her or do you think he knew she had feelings for him? And I so think it's that. He, I, I so think he was it, leveraging her to do his bidding in the courtroom. Yeah. Cause there, there was a moment where like, you know that moment where like she's about to see uh that other judge get arrested mm-hmm. and she, like she's looking out the window and then he's like i love you <laughs> like yeah all all of that to me was like from moment one he was playing a game he knew this woman was into her or i'm sorry he knew this woman was into him uh she had been his protege and you know he was kind of just like stringing her along because he knew what he could get out of that okay i had some of the some of the similar feelings the last thing I'll say is Margot Martindale was the, the mother-in-law that was coming over and especially early in the season when they had that really awkward family dinner. I believe it was his birthday. Yeah, yeah. And, but I thought that she was interesting. I, I could have used a little more of her. Maybe I would regret that if I actually saw a lot more of her. No, I agree. Chaos she, in the pot, but. She's a great actor and she came and went... Again, this was me not realizing this is just like a 10 episode show. She was only in a couple of them and it was it was disappointing that, you know, she only showed up when something big, big was happening, mm-hmm. much like that <laughs> that ridiculous scene where the a little on the nose scene where the dog coughs up the brain. <laughs> like, okay. And I was like, hey, what's wrong with the dog? Like, I, I was fucking terrified that that dog was going to get murdered, though. First, yeah. the, first, they didn't feed the dog the pill. And then when Baxter shows up, I was like, don't murder the fucking dog. They know how to get me, man, these writers. That Just dog was like made of dog. steel. They could not kill this dog. Are you kidding no, he me? He like... drops it down the fucking stairs. Like,. <laughs> He tumbles down the stairs with the dog, dusts it off, gets it to the vet. They, the dog made it. All, you know, the, half the cast died, but the dog made it through. Yeah, the dog was fine. Good. And that's, that's the lesson. There's probably some sort of metaphor in there that I missed with the dog making it. But Be nice to animals. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, look out. 
any there's also a bird murder in this so even half the animals in this show died but did you oh that's right that he murders that bird that's right bird murder are you recommending this to people still the way i describe it because somebody else after i told you about it somebody else asked me about it and i said it's worth it if you want to see a really good and a really satisfying ending love the first few episodes loved the last 10 minutes in the middle this was this was a 10 ep, it was 10 episodes yeah this was a 10 episode series that should have been eight okay. and uh it just got a little it got a little much in the middle toward the end but knowing it's limited again this also might have just been a great movie the, you know mm-hmm. there's such a I, I was reading a thing about like these documentary filmmakers today who are essentially told by you know companies like netflix hey instead of making a two-hour documentary you want to make a four episode you know mini series uh i don't know if you've seen the lady in the dale which was just on hbo i have not it was another one where it's like man four episodes couple were great and a couple were like enough already Th- that's this to me felt like that like you didn't need 10 you could have done it in eight mm-hmm. you're seeing these things that were probably originally a concept for a movie yes yeah. a lot of this could have probably been hooked into a two two and a half hour idea and they said actually let's make it a 10-part miniseries and stretch and that's where you get the dating of the sister of the deceased kid and things like that they, they layer in some some extra but they stretch a story out of a of an original film process but sometimes that works like one of my all-time favorite shows is mr robot and sam esmail the creator had mapped it out as a film and then they're like what about a series and he's like and he like mapped out the whole thing and it was fantastic. And it, it almost played out like a film. Like it was so, so unique, but it, it did not feel like it had too many episodes. It felt like it was the product of, I know what story I want to tell. Not that this didn't feel like it was a story that wanted to be told, but it was just like, I feel like they just wanted to get a couple more episodes out of you because mm-hmm. there's nothing, not that there was nothing happening, but just, it was a little too fat. Okay. Do, was... do you, do you recommend this? What's your, oh, what's your take? Yeah. Uh, I think I, I'll still recommend it. I think Cranston makes it worthwhile. I don't think as many people think as critically as we might and m- might really enjoy the ride and the twist and turns. And I think some people get some satisfaction out of screaming at people doing dumb decisions in, in the course of a plot like our friend Adam was doing. And so I, I'll recommend this to most people. I, I don't know. It's It's worth subscribing for the 13 or 14 bucks to showtime for a month i think it i would still say it's it's worth it to me i was enjoying the ride enough and i know a lot of people are coming to it so it means a lot of people are recommending it and the word of mouth is very strong so i can be part of that movement in that wave be a part of that's if there's ever a movement to be a part of it's the watch your honor on showtime movement that's the one that's the the most important movement of our time that's the one i'm hitching my wagon to (laughs) so all right buddy i appreciate you coming on today it's always a pleasure chatting with you hey and anytime you want to talk dice and his uh carmen san diego outfits i'm i'm all about it let the people know you've got your own podcast which is really funny and i think you should let the people know where to find you I host uh, The Latest with Greg Ott. My name is Greg Ott. Uh, you can go to latestpodpod.com. Uh, it's a, I call it Diet Bill Maher. It's a, a yeah, weekly, it, that's a great way to say it. It's a weekly 10-minute, uh, give or take, uh, show about you know the, what I deem the biggest stories of the week. And then I uh, interview 
all sorts of experts and professionals about OJ Simpson's Twitter account. Uh, so yes. And I've got a philosopher going, lined up this week. <laughs> you might say what? And I promise you, I play these all the time to friends of mine and they always laugh. So I'm telling you, Greg's got a great show. Speaking of recommending, definitely go watch or go listen to Greg's show. So like, and subscribe to each one of our shows. And I appreciate you, buddy. I got to tell you, it's no longer subscribe. It's follow. They changed the language. Oh, fuck. So you can't subscribe to any of this shit anymore. You have to follow it. You have to follow it. I wonder Stalk us. the semantics of that. There's probably some sort of market research going on. I think it's because now on some platforms, you have to pay to subscribe and follow suggests that uh, you're not paying any money. But it sounds... It's, okay. Yeah. Anyway, fucking follow us. <laughs> Make sure you wash your hands... Stay safe, treat each other with respect, and we'll see you down the road. Bye. Bye.